Hello everyone, I've just come off a podcast with David Whitehead. David has just released a docu-series called The Cult of the Medics, and it goes into a lot of deep information, a lot of historical and ancient information about how we have got to where we are today and how the medical industry uh, isn't perhaps quite what it seems. Uh, So it's a very deep topic uh, and very needed these type of conversations right now. Uh, How long this stays on YouTube, I don't know. Uh, but it will be on Odyssey and BitChute, if not, and it will also be on my own personal website, alexhickman.co.uk. David Whitehead is uh, one half of Unslaved, along with Michael Tazarian. He's also got his own podcast called The Truth Warrior Podcast, so I suggest checking that out as well. Okay, enjoy the podcast. David Whitehead, thank you for joining me again. Alex, so good to be here, man. Good to talk to you again. Yeah, I think the last time was middle of last year, I think. And uh, the world's still as insane as it was then, if not more so. uh. Still. Oh, my God, (laughs) yes, I know, I know. Um, Let me start by by quoting you from uh, your Cult of the Medic. In video one, you said, Why are so many people sick? unmotivated, depressed, suicidal, drugged up, and dumbed down. Why are there so many things that kill, maim, and alter us from our natural state in our food, water, air, and medical treatment? Why is overall health in such decline despite living in the so-called age of science? Do you want to get into that? Well, sure, and uh, thank you so much for Uh, talking about this. This is a project that I've been working on for a while. Uh, I've been researching this for many years, um, getting into the medical industry, as I call it, the medical industrial complex. And there are many reasons specifically why I made that statement to open it up. But basically, I'm trying to ask people more questions in that series than I am trying to just provide answers. Because I think uh, for me, that's what woke me up. It was questions that woke me up. Uh, it, to, to go and tell people what's up and what you think is happening, as we can see, is not really that effective. Um, it's better to ask questions to trigger the logical thought process in people so that they think about it. And I'm kind of saying, here, I'm going to give you my theory. I'm going to propose some things. I'm going to put some information out there. I'm going to feature different speakers and ideas here. Um, whether you agree with them all or not is besides the point. The question is, have you asked the right questions? And that's what I think people need to start doing if they really want to understand the world they live in and why indeed is everything so toxic? Why is our world so upside down? Why are we moving further and further into hysteria and not towards more reasonable conversations? And uh, why are we running away from the truth instead of towards it. And so this series is attempting to sort of answer those questions specifically. Um, But the main point is that no matter what kind of evil or tyranny or criminal activity you see in the world, those types of systems and people only get into power because we allow them to and we keep listening to them. And so this was why I I framed it around the idea of cults, Mm -hmm. because I did a lot of research into different cults 
um, and always had that question. You know, it's not so much about whether the leader of the cult is some psychopath or some megalomaniac. It's why do so many people show up and 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 go along with it? Why do why do these cults have so many raving fans? Mm-hmm. Um, and and so that's that's really what the series is trying to get at. And then also bring into context what's going on right now with uh, all this pandemic stuff, because um, we see many ingredients of a cult being formed, except this time it's a global cult, it seems. Mm. Mm. Uh, you mentioned in the, uh, might have been video one or two, I'm not sure. Um, you mentioned that a lot of the happenings that are going on, a lot of the rhetoric is very anti-human it's very anti-nature and the complete inversion of, you know, what we perceive um, a, a network of human beings to be. Do you do you uh, consider that something that um, we might be going deep early on here, but consider that to be something of a non-human force, or do you think it's simply human beings uh, acting out evil tendencies? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think it's a bit of both, to be honest with you. Um, what I try to tell people in the series, I'm going to explore things from a very grounded, you know, here's some experts, here's some scientists, here's some doctors and historians and, and whatnot. And you can easily just add it all up to, oh, it's just a bunch of psychopaths that want more power. And uh, they don't really care, you know, it's, you, you want to make an omelet, you got to break some eggs. So ends justify the means. And, and so we can see that we can see greed and, you know, the sort of seven deadly sins. You could nail that on the board and get into psychology and say, oh, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, they had some problems as kids with parenting and society and, you know, toxic religion and the media and the culture. But and then there's those people out there that are going, well, it's just all about the money, Alex. You know, Pfizer is going to profit more this year and next year than they've ever profited. So clearly they just they're just all in this to get the money and they just don't care. Mm. And then there's those people out there that say, well, the government is just incompetent. It's just a bunch of incompetent buffoons that don't know what they're doing. Look how stupid they are, you know. And I'm like, yeah, well, they're they're competent enough to keep you locked up in your house eh? and mm. implode your economy into the ground and and destroy your constitutions while everybody cheers on and does nothing about it. So they're in, they're competent at something. Uh, maybe the misunderstanding is that we think government and all these industries and Hollywood, you, we think they're there for us. We think they work for us. But the, the facts will show that anybody that has the time and patience to go and do the research will find out that um, these people often have allegiances elsewhere. And of course, on the lower, I, I explained it as a compartmentalized system. And uh, many other authors have explained this for decades that I learned from was that this architecture of control, just to give it a name, is not something where everybody's in on it and everybody has a big sit at this big table and every doctor and nurse in the world and every person that works at Pfizer and everybody that works in the CIA and every politician, they're all, every journalist, they're all involved in this big conspiracy. That's not how I see it. I see it as... um, you know, because when you study cr- the criminal underworld, the mafias and the way they work, they work in this compartmentalized fashion. And if that's a big, ugly word for people, just think of it in terms of the military, where mm. you're all on a need to know basis. You know, there's the commanders 
the generals that have all the maps and the charts and the schematas on the desk. And then there's all the lower level people under them that follow orders. And in a benign setting, that could be an efficient way to make sure that you don't leak classified information to your enemy, that you can be efficient in warfare and defending your country. But in terms of if that was pointed towards a darker agenda or a geopolitical agenda or a financial agenda, whatever it is, um, it's an effective methodology for how to infiltrate and subvert an entire country. And in this case, we're alleging that this is a global takeover. This is a change of the guard globally. Mm. And so because of how global it is, you know, this isn't just the situation we're in right now. This is affecting every country on the planet, every living human being on the planet. You could even argue that the future of humanity is set to be altered from this move moment forward forever. Uh, who's doing it? Why? Was it an accident? Is this just coincidence? Well, the thing is, is you got to go back and realize that events don't just happen by themselves. So either they're caused to happen by, again, the idea that people are incompetent or people make mistakes or humans are infallible or whatever, or there are other, sometimes at least, other mechanisms that cause them to happen on purpose to achieve a goal of some kind. And if you were going to achieve a goal like that, Say you had a plan for, I don't know, let's keep it real G.I. Joe here, world domination. Say you just wanted to uh, gain more power and control. Or if going after the people that I'm sort of looking at, these people already have power and control. In my opinion, mm -hmm. this is all to maintain the power that they already have and then to increase it, right? So there's levels to it is what I'm trying to say. So mm -hmm. most of the people involved in this are just, in my opinion, corrupted or incompetent or ignorant people. You could put those into a category. But those are useful, as, as Stalin called it, those are the useful idiots that work on behalf of the intelligentsia at the top that know exactly what they're doing and are using the mechanisms of money or blackmail or whatever to keep their criminal enterprise afloat. So just I just want to dispel that right off the bat for people that will immediately go, ah, it's a bunch of conspiracy theory nonsense. Anybody that says that, you know, just you really got to look at how these things work and study some history to understand it. Are there mm. wacky conspiracy theories out there? hundred percent there are. OK, um, but at the same time, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. So I just want to say that first. Mm -hmm. As to your next point there about is are we dealing with something non-human? There's different ways to look at that. Um, I definitely think that we are on this planet. I don't think that um, maybe us as human beings have the full picture about where we actually are uh, and what we're doing here and who runs this place and the real the real things going on behind the scenes. And for many, many years, I've uh, been very interested in looking into as far behind peeking behind the curtain as much as I could on that. And there's basically two ways to look at that. Well, there's a few different ways to look at it. You can go with the religious perspective where we're dealing with some kind of spiritual forces, you know, demon possession or mm. uh, talking about Satan controlling the planet. And so he's got his devils everywhere. And it's this sort of spiritual battle that everybody's fighting that we're seeing spill out into the world of effects, which is the physical world. There's that theory. Then there's the sort of archonic theory from the Gnostic tradition mm -hmm. where it's it's a parasite of the mind that came to the earth and infected a certain genetic line of people or whatever 
and you know that they are the ones that are perpetrating this anti-human agenda. Um, and maybe I should pause really quickly to just say to people, it is an anti-human agenda. Um, they're saying it openly now. I mean, what is this transhumanist movement but an anti-human agenda? Now, people might go, oh, wait a minute, though, but the transhumanists, they're just trying to evolve humanity. They're just trying to enhance humanity, right, with all this technology and putting microchips in us and all this stuff. But the thing is, is however you see it, they're going to alter humanity from what we are organically to something else that we don't know. And, you know, that's so, so it's, it's, a, it's not an organically it's not a human view from the way you and I view the word human. Um, you could just chalk it up to a bunch of psychopaths to just, they, they've cut off their empathy from humanity. Um, mm -hmm. they sort of view themselves as the superior apex predator might makes right, right. Uh, survival of the fittest. And so in that sense, we could say it's an anti-human agenda that is done by these psychopaths who gain control of the seats of power and are working for this agenda. But I go to the, ne the next level as well and say, but another option is we're not alone in this universe. We're not alone in this reality. Uh, we're not the apex predator, us humans. In fact, there's a real interesting story as to how we even came to be what we are, which is this creature on this planet that sticks out like a sore thumb compared to literally every other creature that's alive. And so when you put those two things together and you go, okay, so if I realize that, you know, no serious scientists today, whether they're working for some corporation or whether they're independent, well, believes honestly that we're alone in the universe, okay? That with, with what we know, uh, the sum total of human knowledge of what we know, and there's a lot we don't, but what we know would tell us we're not alone in the universe. The big question is whether or not other people from other places could actually get here and could mm -hmm. actually, you know, be a part of this reality in some way or seeking to I don't know, do what do what we would do as humans going from one country to another to invade, to enslave the population, to milk them of their resources, to, um, you know, uh, take and plunder and do whatever. Right. We we as human beings on our own planet have been doing that for centuries. OK, we've done it to the animal species on the planet. So is it really so far out that if there's something else out there, however you want to look at it and dress it up and whatever costume we want to put on it, is it really so far-fetched for people to imagine that just as we operate almost like an alien on our own planet, that there might be something above us? That is, just as we feed off of the life on this planet— there's something that feeds off of us in a way that looks at us as a resource that has maybe even been an integral part of us even being here in this current state that we're in. Um, and so this does get into some pretty out there ideas, but in the series, I'm just going to, I'm just sort of hinting at it. I'm bringing up some ideas. I'm going to get into that deeper down the road, but that's sort of a, that's a sketch that anybody can fit in there. Wherever you feel comfortable, yeah. pull up a chair, because we're all looking at the same kind of evil and corruption in the end, aren't we? Mm. Yeah, just to add to that as well, um, if you look at time in the way we, we see it in you know linear time, if you look at 100,000 years, it's essentially just a fart in the wind, isn't it? It's, it's nothing 100,000 years. If something or whatever you perceive that to be is a hundred thousand years more advanced to where we are today 
look how far humans have come in the space of what three four thousand years at least what we perceive we've come in three or four thousand years a hundred thousand years these these uh you know if you want to call them uh, interdimensional whatever you want to label them as they'd be so far out of what our mind could possibly comprehend um and, and could complete control over the psychology and, and how we think and we couldn't even grasp what would be possible at that point i mean i look at michael Tzerbin's work in particular when he wrote atlantis his book atlantis and alien visitation and i got a lot from that but uh, 20, 12,000 years ago, maybe uh, the Great Flood, something like that, along those lines. There's so much out there, and if you ask, ask the the average person, you know, do you think you're alone? As you said there, most of them would say no. But if you just talk about that, they are they are are sort of manipulating what's going on here. They sort of bat it offhand. It's like they don't want to face reality because it would completely shatter everything that they've ever known you know and and religion in particular that would be thrown away so so christianity and islam and all these all these other religions would have to be completely rewritten if something like that was admitted by the church or, or whatever so so i'm right. i'm not for it or against it as you said at the beginning i just think we need to ask questions and be completely open-minded to something that um you know is very rarely spoken about but i, I do suggest reading um michael tazarian's Alien Atlantis book, if you can get hold of that. Um, let's talk a little bit about these big organizations, mate, because this is a very obvious that it's a big global thing, isn't it? This isn't an, 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 right. an individual nation, national thing. It isn't the US, it isn't the UK, it isn't Canada, it isn't that. This is a global, uh, seemingly a tyrannical overreach. That's what it's coming across to me. You've got organizations such as the World Economic Forum, the UN, um, organizations such as the Club of Rome. Uh, I mean, you've done a lot more research into these things than me, I believe. Please take it take it from here. Sure, and um, that's, that's important. And this is another angle um, we need to bring in, getting back to that compartmentalized thing, is how far up the ladder does this go? Who's really running it? you know, and what's the real story here? You're right. The people, we know this, we know that there are plenty of admissions coming from right from the horse's mouth, literally for centuries, for decades, you know, you can go back and see some of the most elite royalty, dukes, princes, politicians, journalists, professors of universities, authors, etc., high profile people, aristocracy, um, who have openly admitted that there is a global conspiracy to take over the world and change it into um, a world that they feel would be better. And they, it, this is why I label it a cult, because in my opinion, if you track it, track these ideas back and the people, so you see the people espousing ideas, you see these guys making statements, you see that they're all involved in these types of organizations. They're, they're knighted into these knightly orders, these Masonic orders, these elite orders. Uh, they attend these sort of secret but yet weirdly public meetings. Um, and then you see these guys financing, you know, politician A and, you know, a pharmaceutical company at the same time. Or, you, you know, you see, so people that have that kind of power, they have an idea of the world just like you or I have an idea of the world. They have their own religion just like maybe you or I have our own way of seeing reality and God and everything else. 
and they also see where they're at in the social hierarchy and they have a belief that they are the ones that are supposed to recreate the world after their vision. So they have a, they have a plan, they have a vision for the world and they have the means to achieve it. They have the finances, they have the knowledge, that's for sure. Um, and they have the organizational compartmentalized structure that I was talking about. And there are competing versions of that, right? It's not just one monolithic group. It's many, many different, um, let's just say many of these different ideas are competing ideas. And then they, those ideas you'll see espoused by various you know, agencies, like say, look at religion in, in the history of, of Christianity, there's the belief in the mainstream that there's this massive rift between Protestantism and Catholicism, right? And then you keep splintering all these different sects of Christianity apart. And there's thousands and thousands of different varieties of Christianity. But the main threads are Catholicism and Protestantism. And then it fans out from there. And there was this war and there was Martin Luther and there was, you know, the Tudor dynasty breaking away from the Catholic Church. And then there was the Templars who were banned from uh, the order and from from the, basically from the Vatican and they were uh, excommunicated and then burned, you know. Um, and then the, the Templars had their little struggle against the Hospitallers, you know, a little competition there. But when you really look at it and you get behind the scenes and you look at the detailed research, um, a lot of that is just for show. A lot of that is for the marketplace. These people that walk around saying they're, I'm a Catholic, I'm a Mason, I'm a Jew, I'm a this, I'm a that. Their real allegiances don't lie with any of that stuff. Their real allegiances lie with the goal that they believe they're a part of, the mission that they're a part of. And so if we get into organizations like, say if we look right now with this pandemic, you got this World Economic Forum, you have this creature, Klaus Schwab, you know, coming out. He's like the perfect Bond villain. He's, he's, he's out there, you know, saying, we need a great reset and you're going to own nothing and be happy and... Uh, you know, all this claptrap, right? But where did he get that from? Where did he come? Who's he affiliated with? And who pulls his strings? That's kind of my question, right? And what was interesting is when I saw at some of these World Economic Forum uh, events that they would have in Davos or elsewhere, uh, they would be they would have emissaries come from the Vatican to bless the events or be involved with it. And then you'll have a Knight of Malta, one of the top Knight of Malta, come out and say, we are engaged in, in a goal for sustainable development. And that's what we need to focus on. That's what we're working towards. Well, who else? Who, where did the, word, the term sustainable development come from in the public square? It came from the United Nations. That's their slogan for how they see the world moving forward. They, they have their goals. The, they call them the sustainable development goals, agenda 21, 2030. It's got all these different names. So you see the public version of that, which is the UN, the WEF, but behind them are these Knights of Malta. You have the, the, the goals of the Vatican going back into history. And I try to, what's this weird thing that happens, Alex, I don't know if you've noticed this, but when you talk to people, they think that the Royals and the Vatican and the church, it's all, we just keep it around as decoration. It's got no real power or influence, right? It's just like, it's like, we just like having the queen around just to remind us of the good old days or something, right? Or we just, these they guys always say just always, the queen's good for the economy. That's what we get here. Is that what they yeah, say? Yeah, oh, yeah, she, she brings the economy? more than she takes out. That's what, she, that's what they say. 
Well, anyways, I, it's something weird with the queen. We haven't seen her for a bit. And I hear that uh, Barbados just kicked her out and they're declaring a republic state. But anyways, um, so you've got you've got all these people using buzzwords and slogans like what's another slogan we see everywhere now, which is build back better. Right. We're hearing that Boris says it. Trudeau says it. Biden says it. All these key players say it. Um and when you follow the money on those guys and you follow the history and the family lines on those guys, they're all connected into these networks that I'm talking about. So there's no theory about it. There's an organized group at the very, very top, well above Klaus Schwab and Bill Gates and all the people you see rolled out on the media. Those guys, in my opinion, they operate kind of like the managers at McDonald's. They know just enough to keep that McDonald's location going, um, but they don't really sit at the big boys table. They sit at a certain table that's above, you know, say your local politicians, but they don't sit like at the top. They get their orders given to them, which is why these guys can't go anywhere without a teleprompter. They have to read scripts. They have to follow directions. They all sound like they're saying the exact same thing. Uh, they're like robots, if you've noticed. And that's what the beautiful thing in one sense, the silver lining to this whole pandemic has been, is that we've had the opportunity to sit back and document a coordinated effort globally to radically change the face of the world, the way we do our economics, the way we do our industry, the way we do our trade, the way we live, like the, you know, the property laws, the everything is up, it's changing. So for them to tell you, this is all about stopping a virus, guys, this is all, meanwhile, they're shuffling all the furniture around on everything behind the scenes going, pandemic, virus, Omicron variant, and everybody's going, oh, yeah, while they're changing the order of the world to a new world order. It's as simple as that. I think that term has become sort of uh, it's been bastardized because of the fact that it's gotten so much bad press. And right. But that's the term they used to use. They used to come out George Bush and Gordon yeah. Brown and all these people, even Hitler. They all came out and were saying we need to make a, a new world order. Even H.G. Wells wrote a whole book called The New World Order and talked about how, yep, we're going to be destroying – we're basically going to tear, tear down Western civilization brick by brick and rebuild a one-world socialist government. Um, There's openly saying this stuff. And uh, you, know, you can get into the Fabian Society and all these different groups and you go, what are these things? Who are these people? You see their symbolism emblazoned everywhere, all over this stuff. Even the names that they use, like why did they choose the Greek alphabet specifically? Uh, why are they using certain lettered names in the Greek alphabet? You know, Delta, uh, Omicron. What is it? What is this to them? To us, it's just, oh, that's nice. You know, it's like a nice name. Um, so, you know, these are the questions that get somebody like me to go, is it really just you know, a bunch of elites from Europe trying to set up a new fascist state, or is it even bigger than that? Is it is it actually a 200-year-plus agenda uh, to reorder the world and turn it into a centralized control grid, really? Uh, they already kind of had it, but they want this to become public. Um, I also believe there's an agenda that is openly admitted. It's been signed off by numerous scientific organizations for decades to depopulate. I believe that's not a conspiracy theory. It's written in stone in eight language for crying out loud. And they talk about it all the time. And here we are where we're, we're rolling out policies 
So forget about the vaccine for a minute. The policies alone that were imposed by your government, no matter where you live in the world, have caused record numbers of excess deaths that were unnecessary. Uh, because, of course, we know there were early treatments. We know there were other very cheap, ineffective ways to deal with this virus or any virus or any, whatever you want to call it. Some people don't even like that word. doesn't matter what you call it. There's a way to stay healthy, right? And they don't want you to know that. So something happened where they put policies in place to increase uh, starvation around the world because the lockdowns caused all kinds of disruptions to the trade and the food supplies right off. It's been happening for two years, which has drastically uh, brought down numbers in some of these third world nations that rely on every crumb of bread that goes their way. Um, the in uptake in suicide, overdoses, home abuse, etc. So we've seen that just from the government policies of lockdown, close your business. Oh, and close your business. The decimation of the middle class is happening in front of our eyes after they said they were going to do this to us and they're doing it under this virus. They're like, oh, it's the virus. Let, let's, we have to, we have to shut down the small business. I mean, we're going to keep Walmart and Target and all this stuff open. You know, that's cool because mm -hmm. that's owned by our guys. We're going to profit off of that. Uh, but your little small business that can only fit like eight to 10 people is a massive risk to the public. So you better shut down and hide under your bed and give us all your freedoms. Like it's so obvious to see. Now that was before they rolled out the vaccine. Now that they're rolling out the vaccine, the amount, and I put vaccine in quotations because I think this is something far different. And uh, I have my own problems with vaccines in general, but that's a different yeah. story. This is causing record numbers of injuries in deaths in all demographics, age brackets, genders, doesn't matter. Okay, worldwide, when you start adding up Eurovigilance, VAERS, and all these databases, hearing the testimony of world-renowned experts at the top of their fields, many of whom outrank the, the guys they've got working at the WHO, et cetera, you realize, wow, they know, because if I know and you know, Alex, then these guys know, they know what they're doing. They know that this thing is killing people and it's brand new. So we don't even know the long-term damage that this is going to cause. We're now hearing, we're seeing the evidence more and more of even the shedding of these things because these things are designed for your body to now start creating a synthetic spike protein in your body, um, which we're now we're messing with the, the genetic level of you. We're, we're messing with, you know, the very thing, the very DNA level. And we don't have the ability to know how far out this is going to go. So when you sit back and you look at it, you see all these statements of, well, it's because of the climate and the pollution. There's too many humans. There's too many farting cows. So we got to depopulate. We got to do this. And then the same people that say those things are out there going, go get your vaccine or else. I start to have questions. You know, it's just who I am. So I go, all right, well, so yeah, part of this goal is to trim the fat as you were just like a farmer would do is to go, I got too many animals here. They're out, they're overbreeding, they're overpopulating. So I have to cull the herd, right? That's what mm -hmm. farmers do. That's what hunters do. Um, and so what's so, what's so crazy about thinking that there's somebody that views humanity in this way and is saying, there's too many of them. We can't, we can't keep control over them anymore. Uh, they're growing in too many number, taking up too much space. We want this land for ourselves. We only want to preserve our bloodlines and then an army of serfs that will be like a beehive, like China, that won't question our authority. So what's so far out? I mean, they're out there talking about this forever, and then they're doing it right now in front of our eyes, and people still can't see it. So I look at it as 
when you're thinking about Club of Rome, when you're thinking, or sorry, when you think about World Economic Forum, when you think about UN, just go to the next level. Then you got your Club of Rome, which was basically built by the Knights of Malta, um, which used to be the Knights Hospitaller. They're a military order, a military Catholic order. Um, they don't, they're not into actual physical military anymore. These guys are something else. They're more like advisors and um, they're mendicants and apothecaries, as Tessarian would say, Michael Tessarian would say. And they built the, this Club of Rome. And for anybody to really want to get into the weeds on the Club of Rome, which you should, because that's what we need to look at, uh, you need to go and look at the work of Dr. John Coleman, who I featured some of his speech that he made in the 90s in chapter one. And Dr. John Coleman, he wrote a book called The Committee of 300, and he doesn't focus on, say, the Knights of Malta or the Club of Rome, but he definitely exposes where the how those organizations came to be, what their agenda, their publicly stated agenda is, and then how they sit in the hierarchy. And um, so basically, we just need to know how the world really works, how the power structures of the world really work, who's behind it. Who's got the big purse strings? Because, you know, he who makes the gold makes the rules, okay? If your government says they're in charge and they're basically making laws based on what their constituents want, I, I don't know where, you, you know, you need to really check yourself and realize these people don't take orders from you and I. Uh, they take orders from somebody else. So that's a nutshell. These organizations you need to look into. There are many more we could mention, but I kind of look at them like mafia. They're, they're, they're a mafia, a criminal mafia that have their little satellite organizations and they're funded to the tune of millions and billions and they reach right into the media, right into the education system. Um, and what's interesting, Alex, is these people said they were going to do that. They said, we're going to do a long march to the institutions and we're going to take the seats of influence and power. And lo and behold, here we are. So I don't think there's any theory about it. We can debate some of the specifics, but in the end, I think it's pretty easy for everybody to see that we're experiencing a the largest transfer of wealth in human history. That's indisputable. Uh, transferred from we the people, the average folk, the small business owners, the middle class, to the already wealthy elites that are now way wealthier than before, like Amazon and all these companies and who owns them, right? And uh, you just keep going and you realize, all right, then they're they're eroding our constitutions, our property rights, our, our protected bodily autonomy as, you know, encased in the Nuremberg Code, Geneva Convention, et cetera. They're getting rid of that. Um, and now they're just playing this psychological game of, oh, you just have to two weeks to shut down and we'll get over it. No problem. Oh, no, another two weeks, six months. Oh, you just need one jab. No, two jabs. No, three jabs. Oh, wait, there's a new variant. Cancel everything. Keep taking the jabs. Now you got to wear the mask again. Even if you wore the got the jab, even though we said you wouldn't have to, we'd go back to normal if you got the jab. And now it's passports and lockdowns. And oh, if you don't get the jab, we're going to build quarantine facilities for you uh, and, and try to force your compliance. And, and just, you know, any student of history can see where this is going. So mm. I basically say the Nazis didn't die away. The old commies of the Soviet Union didn't die away. The old aristocracy from the past didn't die away. The, the church power Vatican Jesuit control didn't die away. None of these things went away. They just morphed, changed, and evolved, and they operate right in front of your face. And so my job and your job is to help point it out so people can actually see it. Mm. I had Jason Christoph on last week. Um, oh, great. He's awesome. Yeah, he got me booted off YouTube, bless him. But anyway, the, he he has the belief that 
this has all gone on before. Um, not maybe in this context, maybe, but civilizations tend to go through cycles. Humanity goes through cycles. And he's right. of the belief that the same, as you've mentioned there, bloodlines and lineages uh, have done exactly the same thing and wiped out large portions of humanity. Um, and this is just another cycle that we're going through. Um, would you agree with that? Yeah, I definitely think of it as a cyclical thing. I, I really like that he points that out because it's not just this start date and end date. Like I think a lot of people maybe think it is. Um, I think they get that a lot from sort of like the way they read the Bible and the way they look at history is very linear. It's very Genesis to Revelation, you know, mm. Middle Ages to modern ages. Like they don't see it as the fact that there's whole missing chapters of human history. Uh, you know, any of these departments like anthropology, um, you know, these these uh, departments that go and look into these ancient sites everywhere, they're all run by the Smithsonian Institute and a lot of these big universities. They got a lot of funding behind them, big scientific organizations. And so they cover a lot of stuff up and they always frame the evidence in the museums and the education systems towards this linear view of history. And it would be the same if you go to, you know, a lot of these different schools, right? You're lucky if you get an open-minded professor that's going to say, yeah, I'll entertain, uh, you know, a few other theories. You never know if there was an Atlantis or a broken away uh, mm -hmm. ancient piece of history that we've forgotten, you know. Um, but I, I tend to go with the fact that we do have missing chapters of our history. There was advanced civilization in the far, far ancient past. Um, the, the ancient myths and legends tell you this oh, explicitly, and it's universal, Alex. It's universal historical. Mm -hmm. Like when you go into anywhere, you talk to the, you read the Indian Vedas, Mahabhatra, you go into the Bible, you go into the apocryphal works of the Bible, you go into, um, you know, the myths and legends of Ireland, you go into ancient Egypt, you know, uh, in Africa, China, Asia, Japan. It's everywhere, this idea that there were lost chapters of our history. And so my question would be, well, does that mean we maybe reached a pinnacle of, of civilization and then something destroyed us and then we had to keep rebuilding? And is, the, is this a process that's been going on for a long time? If you get into, um, uh, his name escapes me at the moment, it'll come to me. There are certain scholars out there that would even say that humanity has been on this planet, possibly in different forms, but has been on this planet uh, for maybe millions of years, not just thousands right. of years, that we might be dealing with sort of like yuga cycles, like big cycles of time. Um, so hats off to Jason Kristoff for bringing that up. He's fantastic. I, I had a, a clip of his um, in chapter five, actually, that's really valuable, where he gets mm. into psychology and, and the subconscious mind. But yeah, miss, I think it's a, a cycle. And I think that's why these people operate off of the astrological calendars. I think that mm -hmm. uh, the reason they cho choose certain dates for things, the reason they operate in a very ritualistic fashion, uh, the reason they actually tell you everything they're going to do, they just tell you in po popular media, pop culture, music yeah. videos, Hollywood, Movies. right? Mm -hmm. Little hints, symbols. Um, mm -hmm. They tell you that way so that they have the, hey, nothing's going on. We, but but then if if crimes are ever committed, they can go, hey, we told you and you you went along with it. And you didn't fight back. So mm -hmm. on the grand chessboard, that's a loss well, for you. We didn't do anything wrong, right? So And you know what? Yeah, I do actually look at that. that. I do look at that and I go, well, if people are stupid enough to buy into this, well, more fool them. And I question what you just said about Jason Christoph about the psychology behind it. Where do people need to be? 
in order to accept this. How childish, uh, immature in the psychology must they be to have mommy and daddy in the form of government tell them how to live their life? Oh, you just said it. Mommy and daddy in the form of government. Isn't that what it is? Isn't that what it always is? Like, I, I started looking into uh, some of these cults, and this is where it really blew the doors off for me. Um, you get into some cults, like there's so many, there's hundreds of thousands of these things. But let's say you pin down something like a Jim Jones cult, because um, that's a very relevant cult to what we're experiencing right now, where you had this character, this charismatic character, Jim Jones, who created this cult, you know, the People's Temple or whatever. And he had everybody go and move out to Guyana. They built this big commune. And it was all about creating the hippy-dippy, love and light, all come together. Um, he openly called it a socialist experiment. I think he was even funded by different intelligence agencies, but that's another story. Um, but if you just look at the fact that he was able to use psychological warfare on those people. He had about a thousand people or more staying there. At least that's what ended up committing suicide in the end. Um, and he would put bullhorns around the camps and he would do long rants at night while well, probably after he took some LSD or something or some crack and he's just going on and on, but it was to, and he would, he would, he appeals to their child, their inner child. That's what you see mm -hmm. in him is the ability to appeal to the inner child and then also be that strong patriarchal punisher, you know, like he had both personalities in him and the way he wielded that, it's a work of, you can see that there was training there. You can see there was intention there because you don't just achieve that, right? You have to really know how psychology works and that he probably got from these intelligence agencies. Um, and then he got a th he got over about a thousand people to commit mass suicide and even give their children the Kool-Aid knowing that they were going to die. And he had previously tr uh, practiced this on them and would you know, give everybody a gift of he, all the wine is on me for tonight or whatever it was. Uh, some of the specifics escape me right now, but he would, he would basically test it out and say, yeah, guys, we just drank the Kool-Aid, uh, bon voyage and all the best, you know, here we go. And, and, uh, you know, but then it would be a fake out and everybody would realize he was just playing with them. Right. And that for, for him was a training process, just like they did with us, you know, you know, just, just a couple of weeks and you know, just wear a mask. Just, just, it's just some social distancing. It's just some of this, um, you know, just take a jab. Maybe the first jab is just saline. We don't know. Right. And oh, but the second one, oh, the booster, no more of the booster. And now we're seeing people drop on the, on the pitches, right. On these athletes mm -hmm. and, uh, you go, okay. So to me, there's so many correlations, but the big point here is to get to what you're saying. It's not about just a psychological profile of Jim Jones, is it? Or Klaus Schwab or Bill Gates or your government. Who, why are people lining up around the block for this stuff? Why are people bought into it? It's because these architects know, especially the media, they're very knowledgeable about how you tick on a psychological and emotional level. And so they play to that child reptile brain, that emotional level, and they play on that and play on that. And they play on, I, I tell people, they know how to play on your fear, that's for sure. But they also know how to play on your love and your virtue and your, mm -hmm. your feeling of wanting to be a part of humanity. And you care about people and we want to save all the grandmas of the world. And we want to, you know, make sure the kid, it, it's just, it plays on the heartstrings. And so, um, 
to me, the, the understanding of psychology is so, so important. And I have to thank my good friend and colleague, Michael Desarian, for introducing that to me because he was one of the guys to bring psychology into the alternative research movement. Um, and it pissed a lot of people off because for some weird reason, people don't want to face themselves, right? They just want to learn all the info. They don't want to actually do anything about it. And uh, people also don't want to learn that the way out is in. The way mm -hmm. out of this mess is to go within, deal with that past trauma so that they can't keep playing it against you. They can't keep playing this broken record of getting you vulnerable and then leading you down the garden path to your own destruction. The only way that's possible is if you're weak inside, if you're anti-psychological, if you're against the idea of you know, pursuing wisdom and knowledge and true virtue, not the fake virtue that the world loves, the real virtue. See, a lot of those people, you would say at Jonestown, mm. they were well-meaning people, Alex. That's what I hear. They were, they were mm. good people. They were all victims of a psychopath. That's how they roll it out. It's like, were they? They got, they went and bought the plane tickets. Yeah. They signed up for the cult. They were singing glory, glory, hallelujah with everybody else thinking that this is just about ending racial divisions and finding a different, different religion and coming together as a community and getting away from the system. But it wasn't, was it? So we're just as culpable in this. And that's the lesson humanity needs to learn is look at it right now. Is the government right now really the threat? Because we know they're psychopaths, we know who they work for, we know where their allegiances lie. But it's the it's the Karens out there, it's the it's your community, it's the people around you. They're lining up around the block. They're the ones saying, I can't wait until you die of COVID. Like that, that's uh. that's cult indoctrination. And it all starts with fear. It's like what Yoda said in the Star Wars trilogy. Some hermetic truths came through that character where he was like, you know, fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger mm. leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. He's talking mm. about the devolution of consciousness, right? Mm -hmm. And isn't that what we saw? We scared the crap out of everybody, The glo these globalists. They scared the crap out of everybody with this virus. Yeah. Real or fake, I don't lab or not, or germ yeah, yeah. theory, I Irrelevant don't even care. At this point. They mm. scared everybody with it, all right? Mm. And then uh, the next thing was anger anger that it's not over and somebody needs to be blamed that it's not over, Alex. Somebody's got to be blamed. We can't blame the government because that would mean I'm blaming the person that I'm going to for the illusion of security now. So I can't blame mm. the government. So the government knows this about us and they go, oh, look, it's those, it's those filthy anti-vaxxers over there. It's all those conspiracy theorists. It's those people talking about freedom. Oh, freedom. You see Stephen Colbert, you know, and, and all yeah. these late night clowns talking about it. Like, oh, these freedom guys, they're all conspiracy nuts. And that, that's how they frame it. And then what do people, and then they go, now they go, so they go from saying you're crazy and stupid. So they mock you to you're those guys are dangerous. Those are dangerous people. And you know, right away when you start hearing that, and then you hear like I, in Canada, Justin Trudeau, literally at his political rallies, he's like, those people, those people who are irresponsible that didn't make the right choice like you did. They are the danger of this country. They're going to bring this country to ruin. We need to do something about them. And then you see headlines coming out of the, the BBC or whatever. They're like, what are we going to do with those anti-vaxxers? You know, yeah. and just the, the language of it. Come on, let's go rewind back to the 1930s and 40s. 
and see that rhetoric in different contexts, right? Um, it's the same thing. It's the same when you know what you're looking at and you can zoom out of that sort of tunnel vision that we get locked into when we're in fear like that. If you can zoom out, you can see the exact same play being played on us as has been played on us countless times throughout history. Doesn't matter what culture you come from. Doesn't matter what religion you pray for, what religion you're in or what political party you're in. Doesn't matter. It's these people fly well above that in terms of their knowledge. These people know your psychology. So the way out of that is only, only, only a solution on the individual level. There is no mass solution. There is no way to wake up the mass because there is no such thing as a mass, is there? Yeah. That's an illusion. <laughs> I <dope>. had uh, <laughs> the great G. Edward Griffin break mm. that down. I think it was chapter three or four. And he broke down the just a brilliant argument against collectivism where the idea of a group is an illusion. Uh, there's nothing but individuals that decide to come together sometimes and then decide to retreat and be an individual another time. Um, and this system is the reason they attack people who want freedom is because they can't have mass control if they've got a bunch of independent actors that all think for themselves critically, who have the ability to defend their property, who have property, uh, who believe, you know, who are empowered from within. They can't have any William Wallace's running around now, can they? They can't have any uh, freedom loving people running around because that directly contradicts the agenda that they have. So um, we just got to see the forest from the trees and realize that we are the ones that are involved in enslaving ourselves. And I'm not saying that to try to make people feel guilty. It's to empower them now with the, with the fact that, hey, we can leave this matrix anytime we want. And if the rest of the world wants to go into this transhumanist, technotronic, whatever. Uh, metaverse. Yeah, metaverse, freaking whatever, <laughs> fake reality. If they want to go down that path and be turned into cyborgs that are just nothing but pets for these geopolitical elites. Hey, you're free to do that. But I don't want to, and I'm saying no, and I'm making a stand, and you're making a stand, and millions of people around the world are making a stand, and millions more will also begin to make a stand as this tyranny crosses the threshold of their door. So um, for the freedom that we seek externally in the world, it doesn't exist. Freedom is something that is a gift you give yourself. It is something that starts within, and then you emanate it out to the world. It doesn't work in reverse, you know? Yes, yeah, it's, it's powerful. That's powerful. And now we're seeing um, we're seeing that the fear narrative being driven with the climate cult. And uh, Greta, old scientist Greta, being thrown in front of everyone's face. And people buy it. Uh, I used to think they were intelligent people. I, I'm in real estate. I invest in different things, and I deal with very intelligent people some of them far more intelligent than i am and these people believe everything that these people are saying the cop 26 event that happened just up north in in scotland here mm. they were scared about what was happening 88 private jets landed in scotland to do to, to, to take part in that 88 private jets to tell the rest of the world to not fly Amazing. Incredible. Absolutely and they didn't hold incredible. it in China or India, did they? No, funnily enough, no, they didn't. And Greta was there, didn't mention China, didn't mention India, not a damn thing. Because 
the West is the worst, isn't it? And the West is what needs to be destroyed because it's grown and 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 um, evolved into, in my opinion, the, the, the best civilization that we've got on the face of this planet. So why on earth would would uh, that civilization want to stand? If you've got, you know, if it's there to be a target, but in the war, if you put your head above the parapet, you got shot at. Is that merely a manifestation of what's going on here? Have we got... Have we grown to a, a point where the danger, we've become a danger to the power structures? Uh, have we evolved to the degree that we've become a danger to that? That's what I think is happening, to be fair. But back to the climate cult, we've got Greta and the symbol of Greta, a woman with pigtails. That's exactly what Hitler used. Um, I, I think it was Stalin as well who used exactly the same image, blonde hair, white girl, um, innocent, Nobody looks at the history. If you study history remotely, you'll understand that this is merely an image. It's a symbol. It's an archetype that's been rammed down our throat. Uh, where do you think we're going with that, the climate cult? Yeah, I'm glad you brought it up. I, I, I hint a lot at it in this series as well because – and I had I had some people email me about it. And they were like, I'm totally with you on the pandemic, but you know, I'm uh, I'm still I still believe, you know, we got to protect the environment and everything. I'm like, of course we have to protect the environment yeah, from these normal. people, these psychopaths. <laughs> not come on, like think, um, and and show me one prediction these climate doom and gloomers have made that actually came true. It just doesn't exist. So um, like even right now in British Columbia, we're experiencing a lot of flooding, um, and they're using this flooding situation as an excuse in the media to talk about climate change and to point out the the event the the, the summit you're talking about and and the things we need to do and we got to get to call carbon zero carbon zero means you're dead okay yes um, 100%. and they, you know we got to do all these things the paris climate accord which no country on the face of the earth can possibly meet those demands it's too expensive it's a slush fund it's a money grab it's a scam okay i've done numerous shows on this um, a good friend of mine, Ralph Ellis, he actually wrote a scientific paper on dust albedo as being one of the drivers of of heating of the planet, as well as just the cycles of the sun. And he goes into the, uh, you know, back thousands and thousands of years ago and pointing all these things out and just sort of about this uh, BC flooding. Um, what's interesting about them trying to spin this towards some kind of climate thing? We look; it's evidence that time is running out. It's a climate crisis. They're they're not calling. <laughs> So you're going to laugh at this, Alex. They're not calling it rain anymore. In BC right now, we don't have rain. In Alberta, they have rain. But in BC, guess what they call it? Go on. Atmospheric rivers. Oh, my word. So there's atmospheric rivers that are pushed in and then dump all over a place. And that is triggered by... My the fact that I, I drive a truck or I, I have a refrigerator that's too big or I own too much property or I'm breathing too much. Like that's how these people think. So these are um, the funny thing is, though, about the climate cult, there's nothing new under the sun. Mm. These people have existed forever. They've always come up. We call them the prophets of doom. And I did a series of interviews called the prophets of doom. And it's so funny to me. That in most cases, especially in these what you're calling intelligentsia circles of these very educated people who, in my mm -hmm. opinion, are just more mind control than other people, mm -hmm. uh, they uh, they pretend to be smart, but there's no intelligence there. The, the lights are off. Nobody's home. It's all fake. Uh, they they they're jumping into this because this, again, is a psychological mechanism, right? The need to fix the world 
usually starts with the fact that you have refused to fix yourself. You've refused to take your own personal responsibility to deal with the skeletons in your closet to really address that inner trauma and deep shame that you feel. And it is shame that you feel for not being authentic. There's a psychological mechanism there for you not because you don't we don't understand how the subconscious mind works when you avoid reality subconsciously and on a deep level, you are aware that you are avoiding reality. The conscious mind gets really good and we can be very creative putting all these masks and defenses up to pretend we're not avoiding reality and to pretend we are the ones facing reality. But deep down, we know we're committing a crime against ourselves when we do that. And with that comes shame. And that shame builds up over decades and decades of your life. And then you feel that you need to become the new climate warrior, the new COVID mask warrior, the new let's save the world and save the animals and save all the things. Now, there's a virtue in wanting to go out and do good in the world. And definitely, I, I love nature. I want to keep it intact, you know. But, um, you know, there's a, when you see this imbalance, hysteria, cult-like behavior, just like those people in, Gen in Jonestown, just like those people in Heaven's Gate or any of these other cults, um, they are trying to abnegate personal responsibility while pretending they are the new knight in shining armor. It's what we call virtue signaling. And mm -hmm. their virtue signaling to the world, it's all, you'll always see it because they want everybody else to do something and they want to show off and have the followers and, and do all the things, right? Like these guys flying those jumbo jets everywhere. Al Gore has a footprint the size of Godzilla, according to his own <laughs> science. Yet he goes around preaching that you need to get rid of all, you have to drive these little little electric cars that are just nothing, right? And how do those electric batteries get made? What kind of pollution does that cause? Anyways, um, and so, but what I'm saying is the climate cult has nothing whatsoever to do with saving the world or stopping climate change catastrophe. This is psychological in nature. When they say global warming, it's all conscious psychology they're talking about. There's a there's there that they're saying that doom, that's their own inner death doom clock that they're saying is counting down for the whole world. Because mm. the reason the reason you can see this is because humans have this tendency to do something called projection. And you can go look it up, look up psychological projection and just enjoy. And what it is is we all project in a virtuous setting, we're projecting right now, Alex. We're projecting the information we have, the passion we have for our subjects, um, and we're projecting what's going on inside of us out to the world. When I write a, I play a bit on the piano or I do something like that, I'm projecting something outwards that's come from within. That's a positive thing if I'm doing good in the world and, and encouraging you know, all these things, but what if I'm projecting the inner toxicity and the inner ignorance and that shame and that um, all that inner psychological trauma? What if I'm projecting that but of course, a human wants to perform for the crowd and the group, right? So they're never going to come out raw and just, you know, some heavy metal, some expression, some some healthy expression, because I'm totally against repressing this stuff. But there's a healthy form of expression. So you get it out of you, right? You exercise mm. your demons out of you. Well, they don't do that. They project that out in a way that makes them look like they are the glowing light of Christ or something going out to bless the world. And, and so that's the projection they're doing. So every time you hear these wingnuts talking about 
the world's going to end. We got to stop climate change. We got to save the polar bears. We got to do this. We got to stop COVID, COVID zero, climate zero, carbon zero. Like, you know, it's going to be human zero soon. Um, the reason these people will never stop until they themselves are also destroyed is because they're already destroyed, Alex. They're already destroyed within. They're what we call the self-murdered people. They've killed mm. their empathy. They've killed, they pretend they've got empathy and compassion. Yeah. Nothing could be further from the truth. And so mm. these are pretenders. These are fakers. And we got to call them out for what they are. And that's why they have to get you to believe in fake science. And it's the science now. It's not science, you know, the process of uh, yeah. hypothesizing and weighing evidence against an idea and changing your narrative when new evidence comes along <clears throat> the fore and having rigorous debate and, and in-depth research. That's science. We're doing science for them. These guys have killed science and taken the throne and are wearing the clothes and are saying, look, we're the science now. Just like they did to our religions, just like they did to our institutions, just like they did to our culture. And this is what they're doing. So the people running this world right now, the people running these agendas, funny enough, they all shake hands. The same people pushing the climate crap are the same people pushing the COVID crap. Prove me wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to add to that as well, it's a good point about projection. Um, Nietzsche about will to uh, yeah, the will to power, and uh, that power, that need, it goes back to that that the, the self hatred, the shame, the guilt that's ridden in people, possibly for their own existence. If they haven't done enough self development work, they're shameful that they even exist, right. and that will to power is to to control something to grab something and, and actually own it as their own because they haven't owned themselves they don't know what they are so they try and fix everything and control what everyone else is doing in order to get that sense of selfhood within them and i look at the climate thing now you've got people who i don't know what they're doing there but some of the uk has gone completely insane they're like glue in the face to the road they're so doing what? Lot, they're, they're gluing, gluing the their face, face to the road the M25 motorway is like the, the 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 ring road around London, basically. It's the one of the most busiest motorways in in the UK, and they're gluing the face in the middle of the M25 to block all the traffic. Oh my it, god! There was a lady who um, she passed. I don't think she passed away, but she was having a stroke, and the ambulance couldn't get to the hospital, and she's she's ended up losing all the you know you know and your face droops and everything. She's lost all sense of. Uh, uh, being able to move her arms and whatever and that's because of those people and they refuse to answer everything all they say is but what about my children if you listen to the science we're gonna two degrees warming is gonna wipe out humanity and this is they're just repeat they're just robots repeating things repeating things but this will to power is trying to control i look at it and i think right we'll, we'll be trying to control the sun next the sun mm. will become the devil next and we'll, we'll try and send things up there, which obviously won't happen, but we'll send things up there and try and control solar flares. When does it end? And I think you've put it well there. It ends when you start going in rather than looking what can be fixed. Go back inside, see what's there and just take it. If you have to take six months out and just sit by yourself in the woods and yeah. with a tent and your whole life will completely change. I mean, that's all that happened to me when I had to change so-called careers so quickly. I had no choice. And it was just that trigger point that made me start to think and, and different people come into my life, books came into my life that I wouldn't even even consider. It was like a shift in consciousness. Mm. Uh, you know, can't be worded, couldn't, couldn't be written down, um, but 
something happened and people whether that's through willpower and whether that's through divine grace or whatever you want to label it as people have to start going inside now because it maybe this is what it is maybe there's some divine plan that's forcing people to go you know what we really need to stop stop running because that's what i think is going on right now um is what nietzsche said the will to power that self-hatred that self-guilt David, before we, we, we run away here, uh, is there any resources? I know you're one half of the Unslaved podcast. Is there any other resources you'd suggest to people to go to for their own questioning? Well, you got to come to shows like this to keep supporting. You're doing a great job, brother. The shows you're doing, I'm so glad to see what you've been able to achieve. Um, there's many of us out there that are trying to, you know, we don't have all the answers um, but we're trying, we're, we're doing our best to replace the media, the legacy media that is corrupt, that is not working for the truth. Um, they're, they're, they've given up on that a long time ago. And so, you know, if you go, you know, the unslaved project is so key. If you want to get into what you're talking about there with that deep level psychology and what the real mechanisms behind are, all these things are, um, we look at so many different subjects over there. That's the masterclass unslaved.com. Uh, my own podcast, Truth Warrior, um, you can check it out at dwtruthwarrior.com. Um, that is a little bit more public, a little bit more, um, it's kind of entry level in a way. And I interview some amazing guests and just try to bring different perspectives on the table and and help bring forward the work and the ideas of of people that have come before me. That's what I'm trying to do. As for resources, what I've always said to people is, remember, it's not the answers that wake you up. It's the questions. So think of the questions that come to mind, maybe when you're listening to the show, this discussion between you and I, and what questions came to you. And you don't have to necessarily, you know, ask me the question, email me, hey, what do you, just keep that question for yourself and ask yourself that question. And then you're, if you're, if you're tapped in, you'll be led to the answers. This is what I've seen in my life. I'm sure you did the same where mm -hmm. you just sort of, there's a little bit of a release that happens where you go, I don't need to just go find all these people to, to get them to tell me the answers. What I'm going to do is get all the brilliant minds and ideas on the table and then ask myself the question and then, you know, see where I stand and see what I see in my life and compare it to my own experience. It was often when I was really, really looking to answer a question that I'd be in a library and a book would pop out at me or I would get an email from somebody that said, hey, I'm working on this new project. I'm like, weird, it's exactly the subject I'm interested in or, you know, things like that. So that synchronicity or whatever you want to call it, it that, that happens in your life when you're pursuing the truth honestly. So if you pursue the truth honestly with no agenda, just I just want to know. And you, I don't care if you just ask the sky or ask the tree in your backyard or whatever, just put it out as an act of asking. The answers will come and trust that trust yourself learn to trust yourself learn in a world that's trying to turn you into something other than you you need to learn how to trust your own mind it's that old statement that goes you know if you don't trust your own mind if you don't trust if you don't control your own mind someone else will so yeah. start with taking back your own mind don't even just believe everything i said today Go, go fact check it. Go look into it. Maybe you'll see something I didn't see. Maybe you'll find something I couldn't have possibly seen because I think everybody brings these different perspectives to these questions. But um, there's, a, there's so many books and things I could specifically reference. But um, I think just take it from there. Take this on as your gauntlet. You've been given a challenge. You've been given a mission 
to go and seek the truth and seek this knowledge and pursue these great mysteries and uh, make it a passion. Don't just make it about fear and I need to survive. So I need all the answers so I don't get wiped out by the glow. Like don't live in that world, live in the world of, I want to pursue this knowledge for the sake of knowledge, for the sake of it, for the love of it, make it a vocation, you know? Um, and then the other stuff comes, it comes as it will. You, you were going to be given everything we need when we're operating in that flow. It's just been my personal experience. So I hope that helps. Yeah, that's great. Uh, highly recommend Unslaved. I've been a member there for, I don't know, wherever it started, to be honest. Um, highly recommended. Very deep. As you said there, it is a, I'd probably call it advanced content. Uh, a lot of Michael stuff's on there. I've, um, been around a long time. Uh, one of my mentors, I consider to be fair, Michael. So uh, thank you, David, for coming on. Really appreciated it. Uh, maybe next year we can have you on again every year and, and see what's uh that's if we're still about, uh, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Alex, thanks, brother. Amazing to talk to you. I'll have to bring you on my show as well and yeah. um, love what you're doing. So thanks for thanks for bringing me on today, man. Cheers, Dave. All the best, buddy. Cheers to you, man. All the best. Bye-bye.